Hello, everyone, and welcome to Shelf Games Podcast. Uh, and of course, we're doing the Shelf Games Podcast live for the week of August 31st. This is episode number 144. Uh, and Shelf Games is, of course, your lighthearted look at the games of today and the ones still on your physical and digital shelves. Uh, I'm your host, John. Sorry for missing last week. I was feeling a little bit under the weather, but we are here now. And uh, I am joined by my lovely co-hosts. Uh, we got Mr. Jusula. How are you today, sir? I'm good. I'm good. What's up? Uh, things are good. Uh, what's up with you, David? Not, not, not much. Still, <laughs> still quarantined. Still just working at home. It's a Monday. I don't know what to tell you, man. <laughs> we were just lamenting uh, a lot of a lot of meetings, uh, having to deal with Microsoft Teams as as a platform. It's uh, it's all about that corporate life these days. Oh yeah. Yep. Yep. <laughs> and the, the the other the other sad thing is I took um Kay and I we get up, you know, five thirty or six in the morning to take Garris, our our dog, out, you know, for his morning run and, and all that kind of stuff. And it was dark. It was real dark when we went out this morning, and that mm-hmm. made me very sad because summer's just over now. It's it's, it's done. Just, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I yeah. woke up. I woke up early this morning as well because uh, I wanted to get a bike ride in before some early work stuff, and I was just like, "Oh, it is like pitch black out right now, and yep. that that is the end. <laughs> that is the end of yeah. summer. <laughs> that's yeah, terrific." Took gears for took gears for a walk in the afternoon, and and I put a jacket on. Oh, <laughs> me too. Put a jacket on. I mean, I understand that coming shit. from me, yeah. but you guys are in BC. Yeah. How, how is the Arctic tundra of the prairies these days? Just a little. Oh, yeah. I'm full jacket. <laughs> today, when I went, I went to Costco today to get some propane. So you have to stand outside while they're filling your propane tank. And I was like, do I wear a hoodie and a jacket or just a jacket? <laughs> so that's what we're working with over here. The, the, the true dilemma of our time. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So, folks, let's do a podcast. Let's just jump into the news. Uh, I, I don't want to waste anyone's time here. we got a bit to get through. Uh, so, first things first, Nintendo reportedly releasing an upgraded Switch next year. So, this is something that I think since the Switch launched, uh, it, it's a rumor that's been kicked around for quite some time. I know we've talked about it on the show every time there's a rumbling about like, oh, maybe next year there's going to be an upgraded Switch. Uh, mm-hmm. But this appears to be the first time that reports are a little bit more Rounded. Uh, so this is coming from uh, reports uh, in Taiwan's Economic Daily News and confirmed by Bloomberg. Uh, so they are saying that the new model will come out in early 2021. Um, and they are saying that Nintendo has looked at uh, including more computing power and 4K high definition graphics. Uh, you know, obviously, they, they put out a couple different switch models last year, um, you know, s- smaller form factor, better battery life, that sort of thing. Um, uh, another thing that Bloomberg says is that the uh, new model should theoretically be released alongside a stronger lineup of games, uh, which, quote, could go some way to explaining Nintendo's light software schedule this year. Uh, so, folks, what do we think about uh, these pretty solid reports that Nintendo is finally going to be upgrading the Nintendo Switch? Chisulo, uh you're our, our Switch aficionado. What do you think? Uh, am I? <coughs> well, uh we uh, I knew this day was coming. I could not hold off. I had to guess. I got a Switch <laughs> two, three years ago. So I'm not upset that a new Switch is coming. Will I get a new Switch? Probably not. At least not right away. Will it be 4K? I'll believe that when I see it. <laughs> that seems that seems crazy. It's a, it's a 
little itty bitty machine. I yeah. know. So if they can do it, fantastic. I assume that would not be 4K handheld because I don't even think handheld right now is at 1080p. I think it's only 720p, if I'm mistaken. I might yeah, be wrong. Uh, no, no, I believe you're correct. And it's only that 1080. That sounds right. Yeah. You're only, it's yeah. only 1080 it in the dock. Yeah, then when you it's 1080 in the dock. So if it's 1080, uh, 4K on the dock, I could see that maybe. I don't know. We'll see. I'm, you know, I'm always happy when Nintendo does things because we need competition in all, all industries, to be honest. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I think the except the, healthcare. <laughs> uh, this is a, 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 a tri- tried and true Canadian <laughs> podcast. Uh, healthcare for all. Um, the the yeah, you're right. I think the one thing that really made my eyebrows raise when I read this was 4K. I was just like, really, really? Um, because because yeah, there's no way that that's going to be in handheld mode. Uh, and, and I'm wondering if it's going to be true 4K or if it's going to be some sort of upscaling. Um, David, what did you think about this news? Yeah, I mean, I I got my Switch a little more recently. I think like a year and a half-ish ago. Um, so I have, I don't have the original run of Switch. I've just got the one that has the improved battery life and the the joysticks that don't lose their center. Right. Um, uh, yeah, and I mean, like, I'm happy with my Switch. I almost never play it docked, like, ever. Yeah. Um, it's like I have it on my bedside table most of the time, and like that's my little before bed. I just sit there like this, just play my <laughs> yeah, play my Switch game. Um, so, I mean, I 4K seems crazy, <laughs> but I'm happy for them if they if they do that. That's really that's great. That's cool. I wonder I I wonder if it's just going to be like like we've said if it's just in the dock. I wonder if it's actually an upgraded like dock that's coming that's going to do mm. you know some sort of some sort of suit yeah. yeah some sort of pseudo external graphics cardy kind of thing who knows um because i mean the the dock right now is just a like this is just a plastic box like there's nothing Basically, else yeah. going yeah. on there and, um but, but so, that being said like the, the chip in that that uh in the switch is what like four or five years old at this point so so i could see <laughs> i could see like some significant power uh, upgrades, considering that that we've had that much time for for you know chipsets to 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 improve. Oh, it, f- for sure, it, it, it'll be better. Like, yeah, I, I'm you know I'm I'm always excited to like see new technology. So I'm I'm gonna happily read the article about this when it comes out and probably not buy it. Is where <laughs> yeah. is where I'm at with this. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. I'm more excited about what games they're going to be releasing. If they've held back because the new Switch is coming, I'm mm-hmm. curious to see what they got. Uh, in line yeah because we know about breath of the wild 2 um yeah they showed off a teaser for that uh but, but you're right Jusula, I, i'm i'm very very interested to see what else they could be uh you know ha- holding on to uh to sort of push out around around the release of this thing and, and i'm very curious if this is going to be like q1 q2 or is this like a q q3 q4 type thing yeah uh, also I, I'm- oh go ahead I was just gonna say I, I could see them holding it until like the the Black Friday and like holiday rush, but uh, ideally I would love to see this out earlier in the year because I still have yet to buy a Switch because I was just like I'm just gonna wait until they upgrade it and I've been saying that for like three or four years. <laughs> true, true. Um, I'm hoping this is not a Wii to Wii U kind of thing where I have to I have to buy it to play the new games. I doubt that, but I hope not. Yeah, I think that would, that would be. Uh, really unfortunate and you definitely don't want to split the user base like that uh but speaking speaking of splitting user bases just so you set me up perfectly 
uh, Epic and Apple. Uh, I, I don't I don't want to <laughs> spend too much time on this, um, but but I do want to kind of go go through this update um, as they have gone in front of a judge now, um, and, and we do have some rulings. Um, so Apple and Epic obviously you know ha- had their big hullabaloo a couple of weeks back where Epic very much uh, flipped Apple the finger by uh, allowing uh, a bypass of the uh, app store in terms of microtransactions. So, so you could do purchases directly with Epic, uh, basically daring uh, Apple and Google to kick them off the platform. They had a whole marketing campaign, a whole PR campaign behind this, uh, trying to weaponize their fan base. Uh, hashtag I'm with Epic, hashtag free Fortnite, all that kind of silly stuff. Um, but since then, they have now gone uh, to court. Uh, I'm just going to quickly read uh, a little bit from this Kotaku article here. Uh, so U.S. District Judge uh, Yvonne Gonzalez-Rogers has issued a temporary verdict on two of the case's most pending issues. She denied Epic's request to have Fortnite reinstated, uh, but granted the company's request for a temporary order blocking Apple from limiting the game developer's ability to provide Unreal Engine key graphics technology for other apps. So basically there, there was the, those two big components, right, where uh, Epic was taken off the store and they wanted it put back. Uh, Apple uh, was going to be blocking uh, the the access to to uh, the Unreal Engine and, and its tools uh, via iOS. And the judges basically said that no, you cannot do that. Um, so uh, she noted that there is quote potential significant damage to both the Unreal Engine platform itself and to the gaming industry generally, including on both third party developers and gamers faced by Apple's actions against Unreal. Uh, but she did say, um, however, uh, w- with regard to Fortnite, she says, however, the showing is not sufficient to conclude that these considerations outweigh the general public interest in requiring private parties to adhere to their contractual agreements or in resolving businesses, business disputes through normal, albeit expedited proceedings. So that's a lot of legal jargon. Um, but what that means is, is Fortnite is still up off the iOS store, uh, but developers still have access to Epic's tools. Um, David, what, what do you think about all that news? Oh man, I try not to, but <laughs> <laughs> the, there's, there's two things I picked out of that article that just made me laugh. Um, one is that if you read through that article, the Epic lawyer basically tried to s- sort of, s- sort of make it seem like Epic was suffering unnecessarily at the hands of Apple um, based on all these different things that Apple has done to them. It's just like, you, you asked for this. Like, you <laughs> wanted this. You set this up. Like, you, yeah. like, you, you so the gross giant. that they yeah. do that. And the other is that Apple's lawyers, <laughs> this is a quote from it, but Apple's lawyers referred to Epic's hot fist, or sorry, Apple's lawyers referred to this as Epic's hot fix that turned into its hot mess. And I just really liked <laughs> How sassy that lawyer got <laughs> in the proceedings. You could tell he was probably just, he had that written down or he, oh, yeah. he or she, they had that written down. It was just like, man, I can't fucking wait to drop this. <laughs> oh, looking at the court reporter across the room, like, come on, you make sure you get this. Like, <laughs> uh, just a little, what's, uh, what's your take on, on this sort of update to the Apple and Epic fight? <laughs> Well, it's interesting. Just what I find interesting is that Epic obviously did this on purpose, and now they're like, "Oh, look at how poorly they're treating us!" But they were ready with the, the, uh, not the court documents. The they're ready to file immediately yeah. as yeah. soon as they knew. They snuck it in, and as soon as they were called out on it, they're like, "Oh, we're ready for this." So <laughs> I'm 
curious to see where this goes because clearly they think they can win this. Otherwise, I don't think they would have done this. So yeah, I I do want to issue a correction. I think the the two weeks ago when we talked about this, um, I said it was two billion dollar companies in a slap fight, uh, and I I apologize because this is a billion dollar company in a slap fight with now a trillion dollar company <laughs> yeah. in in Apple. Epic is the little guy they are the little <laughs> wrong <laughs> i'm hashtag i'm with epic you know i i'm, oh I'm always down for an underdog story Jesus. oh my goodness <laughs> i feel so conflicted cinderella story years in the making <laughs> um yeah obviously being a little bit facetious like this this is still like two juggernauts going going you know going head to head but that being said it is hard to comprehend what a trillion dollar company actually is. Um, yeah. I, I think I was reading something like you could, you could be paid $10,000 every day since the pyramids were built and you would only have like 10 or 12% of Jeff Bezos net worth. Like, That's crazy. like th- thinking about like what an actual like billion dollars is, is really like unfathomable to most people. Um, so mm-hmm. the fact that Apple is now valued at like over a trillion dollars is like absurd. Um, it's crazy. so I, I love, I love hearing love slash super hate hearing the, um, like the way that people try to contextualize. Yeah. Like a billion dollars or a trillion dollars compared to a million because mm-hmm. to, to, to us, you know, regular plebs of the world, like a million and a billion, it's just, they're both just a lot, right? Mm-hmm. It's both just like a ton of money, but the the one that I heard was actually it was based on like a staircase and it's like if every staircase you know is a hundred thousand or if every step on the staircase is a hundred thousand dollars like most people don't even get on the first step right right and a bunch of people you know some amount of people are able to get onto that first step and you know if you've got a million dollars well you're ten steps up and Jeff Bezos is like halfway to the moon. <laughs> like you know i forget i forget what the like the actual like math is but that's effectively what it is it's just yeah. like if you try to actually relate that in some way of like visibility is the vast majority of people can't even put their foot on the first step and people like jeff bezos at least his net worth yeah is it's you know halfway to the moon or something yeah like that. so it's the like amount of, the amount of money that these companies have is is absurd um and it, yeah, it, it, this this court case is going to be drawn out for quite some time. So, uh, Fortnite on iOS is frozen in time. That is, the, the, you know, the game on mobile or, or rather on on console and on PC is already into its new season. They're doing a bunch of Marvel stuff, um, and that iOS game is just going to be frozen for for the foreseeable future. So it's it's going to be interesting to see what what happens with this uh, lawsuit for sure. You know, Fortnite stuff aside, I think just the the App Store ecosystem stuff. Epics tools, all that stuff, I think is going to be far, far more interesting. Hmm. I feel like such an old man because I'm over here like, oh, Fortnite's still popping, huh? <laughs> Very true. Although, Very true. what's his name? Um, LeBron James' son just signed with uh, Phase. Oh, with Phase called? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Which is, interesting. is very interesting because he's for, a. For Fortnite or. I, I think it's for Fortnite because that's all I've ever seen him play. Mm-hmm. But he's like a top prospect to go into the NBA. So a lot of people are like, you're wasting your time. Focus on basketball. But you know, he's into them esports. Yeah, I mean, he could do, do the Michael Do what Michael you Jordan. love. Yeah, exactly. He could do the Michael Jordan thing and dip into a couple different sports, you know? <laughs> yep. 
Um, all right. Next up. Uh, I, I don't want to spend a lot of time on this story, but I was like way more upset with the headline in, than anything else. Um, but Steam is essentially going to be rolling out a new custom list to allow users to filter out slurs and swearing. Um, and on, on its face, this is obviously a very, very good move. Um, you know, it, it's going to be this sort of customizable profanity and slur filter uh, across the, the the chat system in Steam. It'll also apply to a few games, and I imagine they'll eventually roll that out to other titles. So uh, I think at, uh, during the, the public beta, it's going to be Counter-Strike uh, and Destiny 2. Um, but the reason that, that this story got me so, so upset is that... <laughs> Valve is approaching this the same way that they approach every problem, and they're essentially putting a Band-Aid on a gunshot wound. Um, Steam and and its services like notoriously have a problem with uh, racism, with homophobia, with sexism. Uh, you know, you've had cases. You, you see these stories pop up every now every now and then where Valve is like, "Oh, we shut down thirty racist Steam groups or whatever." Right? Um, I, I had a a uh, friend of the show, uh, Sam, a.k.a. Ursinity, if you've seen him in, in the Shelf Games Discord, he's the co-host of the Fourth Spirit podcast. Uh, he, he posted this uh, picture from uh, one of his Dota games the other, the other night where uh, now you have these things in Dota called clans where basically you, you and a bunch of friends can get together, earn points, work through some sort of progression system. Um, but the, this other clan he was playing against just had swastikas on their clan flag. And they were just dropping them on the map uh, all, all over the, this Dota game he was playing, right? So, like, Valve implementing a, a chat filter system isn't addressing the core problem of racism, misogyny, homophobia, transphobia within Steam's games and within its communities. Um, so I think that that is the thing that, like, really got me to scoff when, when I saw this announcement. Um, but 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 that's just my super super hot take. Um, what, what did you two think about uh, about this news? Um, I guess I was kind of surprised that they hadn't already. Like <laughs> you, you said that they did this, and I was like, wait, can you not already do that? And I don't know. It, it's always that that super weak thing of like we're not going to take a stand on it because we don't want to piss people off too much, so we're just going to let you decide what you want to see or not see. And like, sure, you know, like some people aren't going to want to see, you know, the F word and some people are going to be okay with it or like other swear words like that. But I feel like there's some words that they could just take off, you know, that probably (laughs) nobody needs to be okay with seeing in their chat. And, you know, they don't even want to make that much of a stand of like not removing like some pretty obvious racial slurs. Like, okay, that seems pretty weak, but yeah, whatever. Uh, just so what do you think? Uh, this is, seems very similar to what they did previously with the game curation, where they're like, we'll just let the community deal with it. Oof, yeah. So I just don't feel like that's really worked out well. Maybe I'm wrong, but it doesn't seem that made much of a difference for my Steam library. Uh, I, just, I don't know. Like, people get creative with curse words. I guess if I'm filtering, if you don't know who's filtering what, it's harder to be more creative with that kind of stuff. So it could work somewhat, but not really. Mm -hmm. It's just going to create echo chambers, I suppose, where people who don't mind seeing hateful speech and all that kind of other stuff will continue to see it. And they're like, yeah, yeah. And then all the people who enjoy saying it to them will also enjoy hearing it. So, Yeah, it's (sighs) it's definitely an an issue and, and... 
this is something that I've I've really um, harped on, uh, not just Valve, but other other um, uh, you know, not not even just games, but like platforms in general, is the fact that like you're addressing the problem after the fact, right? You're, you're, you're being reactive. You're not being proactive to, to what your problem is. You're like, what you, what you should be doing is incentivizing the player behavior or the user behavior that you want to see and not just punishing the, play, the, the behavior that you don't want or just hiding it from, from the users that don't want to see it, right? Um, mm-hmm. and, and, and this is a quote from Valve's blog post, which is, the most libertarian shit that that I've seen from Valve, uh, but but again, is typical for them and, and their stance for for their platform. Uh, they say, "quote We do not want to censor users in chat, but rather empower them to choose what they see from others." So, again, I, I think I, I would like to to see them do more, but for now, that that's that's all we're going to be getting. Um. So speaking of um, people kind of stepping in it, uh, the recent Call of Duty black ops cold war trailer dropped uh and it's got everyone excited for this year's call of duty which is going to be uh, i believe a direct sequel to uh the original black ops um but one of the main concerns that uh ian walker here over at kotaku calls out is that the trailer kind of promotes a far-right conspiracy theory um so for some context uh in the trailer for this new game they draw on this interview from a informant for the KGB who eventually defected to the United States. So this is an interview done in 1984 uh, uh, with a guy named um, uh, Yuri Bezmenov. Um, and basically what, what Bezmenov claims is that the Soviet Union was going to be using, quote, active measures to um, basically destabilize the United States, right? So what he is suggesting, it, just to cut to the quick of it, in his interview here is that extending equality in the United States to non-white, non-male people in the United States would make it ripe for Soviet uh, invasion or intervention. Um, So, you know, the the trailer kind of says like, oh, this is a chilling, chilling warning. You should know your history. And, you know, and basically just like incentivizing people to like go and click on their website and look at the game. Um, also, what's left out of this uh, trailer is that the person interviewing Bezmenov is a far-right conspiracy theorist, uh, G. Edward Griffin, uh, who now has made a name for themselves as a AIDS denialist uh, and an oh alt-right God. recruiter. Um, so it was super, super problematic. There really isn't a lot of context for, the, for this interview, um, and, and they're only kind of like drawing on the trappings of the Cold War without actually explaining what the fuck is going on here. Um so I highly recommend people go and actually dive into this article by Walker and, and, and read through the entire thing. Um, so, so why is this problematic? Well, the reason is um, a number of uh, alt-right and extremist uh, folks on the internet are super jazzed about this. Um, so Sargon of, of Akkad, who made a name for himself around Gamergate, uh, anti-feminist, again, extremely anti-progressive, uh, super shitty dude um, basically said, um, you know, he, he's super glad that this is out there because, quote, impressionable viewers are going to be taken in by Bezmenov's claims and ideology um, and, and essentially using this trailer and, and this guy's interview. You're going to have all these young Call of Duty fans who aren't necessarily 
aware of, of the context and the, and the history, uh, sort of latching onto these ideas, uh, which are extremely problematic and, and leading them further, further down, uh, uh, these, these terrible rabbit holes. Um, and, and this isn't the first time that Call of Duty has gotten in trouble for appropriating history like this. Um, for those that don't remember last year's highway of death controversy, um, basically in the latest modern warfare game, uh, they, uh, have this fictional version of the highway of death. And they basically say that the Russians committed this war crime, you know, on this highway of death, they killed a bunch of civilians when in actuality, the United States did that in Iraq. Um, so yeah, another call of duty thing being problematic. They drew on history and kind of didn't give it context. Uh, that was me talking a lot. Uh, I just wanted to bring this to light cause I think it's, it's pretty important that we look at this stuff and are critical of it. Um, but, um, what, what did you two think? Jusilla, did you have any thoughts on, on, uh, Call of Duty kind of stepping in it here? I'm not too familiar with this conspiracy. Um, but from what I hear, it's a bunch of nonsense. So, uh, I, I don't know what they're trying to do. I just don't know who's, who's on the board, not the board. What am I trying to say? Like the, the creative writing team. team. Yeah. Yeah. The creative team. There we go. Just, I don't know. I just, I'm just so curious who they hang out with. <laughs> <laughs> My, yeah, what, what YouTube channels are you subscribed to? <laughs> yeah. Like what we, cause I obviously live in a bubble. They live in a bubble. I live in a bubble. We all live in our own bubbles. And sometimes I try to peek outside of my bubble just to be, not to be too, you know, oblivious to what's going on outside of my circles. And I just, sometimes, sometimes I'm just like, my goodness, Am I am I in the wrong? Do I not know what's going on? Because this to me seems like an obvious like don't do this. Yeah, uh, David, what'd you think? Um, I mean, like I I had I have kind of heard this before, um, like this conspiracy theory, um, but that's because I I studied Cold War history when I was in university because I find it fascinating it is all like incredible like cold war history in general is just like there's there's so many different layers and levels to it and what's going on at any given point in time and it is fascinating to watch it as like you know you know an academic study not in practice in practice most of it was awful on all sides um but you know as to like who's on who's on the team for this i i I got a feel the the article almost presents this action by Activision as almost this like nefarious thing. I think he actually says the phrase like, you know, kind of like a wink and a nod to mm-hmm. um far right activists. And I think it's not probably, I don't know actually, but I think it's probably not that. The Black Ops series, and one of the reasons why I, I was actually super jacked about this game coming up in, in coming out initially, because I loved the first Black Ops series, because that game came out like pretty much right when I was in university and studying Cold War history. I'm like, oh man, like all the conspiracy theories, and it's so fucking weird and crazy. Um, and this to me just looks like somebody was going through Cold War conspiracy theories that they could use as plot points in their game, right. and just like didn't think one or two steps further you know like and not not that i want to say they're completely innocent like if you put it in the game and it's approved by a bunch of people somebody probably should have you know thought about this a little bit more but um you know it, it's it's a typical like call of duty we kind of talked about it a couple of weeks ago and i when i brought up you know the current call of duty where like they 
they go out of their way to push buttons, right? They try to get those like emotional rises out of people by just kind of throwing something in your face that is like very close to reality and but just skirts far enough away from it that they can be like, hey, it's just a game, whatever, you know. Mm. And so, um, yeah, it's super tone deaf and they probably, given the current context of everything that's going on in the world right now, thought a little bit harder about it. But then again, that might be why they wanted to do it because of course we're talking about call of duty for, you know, the second week in the row or whatever. And that's probably what they want. Um, like, like to your point, I don't, I don't think this was malicious. Um, yeah, but, but I also feel like the, the way it is received needs to be taken into consideration when you're putting something together like this. Right. And like, who knows? Sure. Like, Bezmanov might not, might not even like be in the game at all. Like they might just be utilizing this for their marketing and their trailers. Um, mm-hmm. Although I do know that uh, Reagan is in the game and fuck Ronald Reagan. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, so you want to talk about real problematic shit. How yeah. about just I, him? I, I saw so many great memes going around of, of him rendered in the game and being like, there'd be like prompts like, press F to ignore the AIDS crisis. Press F <laughs> to sell F missiles to, to Iran. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's the one I saw. Like, <laughs> I did see one that said. Uh, <laughs> fun fun I, fact, all you young, impressionable kids. Ronald Reagan is probably guilty of high treason. Just <laughs> so you guys all understand and know that. Yeah. <laughs> but just, just anyway. Just that out there. Um, anyways, uh, I, again, I don't think this is going to hurt Call of Duty in any way. Obviously, that game is going to oh. sell like, like, like hotcakes um but uh, again it, I, I think it, it does point to decisions being made and i'm sure there was probably someone on the team that was just like hey maybe we shouldn't do this um but you know that the, their concerns were swept away because they're just like well we've already invested or this is part of our marketing it's not gonna be a big deal don't worry about it there are a million factors that that go into decision making like this so you know it, it, it is what it is and unfortunately it's um i think this is Problematic, but uh, is not going to hurt them in any shape or fashion. Um, and a very, very similar story to this uh, is about uh, Tom Clancy's Elite Squad. Um, so, for those that don't know, Tom Clancy's Elite Squad was that sort of like mobile-looking game that they showed off last year, I believe it was. Um, so it's going to be coming out, I believe, this year or early next. Um, if I'm not mistaken, it's like a tactics-based like hero collecting game. Uh, yeah. So it's a, it's like a hero's charge style of game where you collect a team and you put three of your team down on, like you collect a massive roster of characters and you pick like three or four or whatever. And then you put them down and they just, they just move to the right. Right. It's just in the hallway and they move to the right and then they hit enemies along the way and you have to time your ability usage and think about your team composition to go forward. Right. So, so this was very, very much going to be like a very mobile friendly game. It was like bringing a ton of Tom Clancy properties into the same game, sort of a cartoonish art style. And I kind of saw what they were going to be doing with this. So they're just like, Hey, we have all this IP. Let's throw them together. Um, you know, people can collect their favorite Tom Clancy heroes, you know, Sam Fisher from Splinter Cell. You got the rainbow six heroes, uh, all that kind of stuff. Um, I did scratch my head and I was just like, really, do people have that much affinity for a lot of like Tom Clancy, um, you know, figures from video games aside from I played that game. Well, I I did play that game for a bit and it's, it's tough. Like, like all the division characters just look like 
they just look like people with like hoodies and jeans and backpacks. Like that's what all the division <laughs> characters look like. Just yeah. different backpacks. There's not, it's like Sam Fisher, the rainbow six people who have like actual character design. And then all of the other people from like ghost recon and division and everything that just look like regular people because they're supposed to, their character design is to make them just look like regular right. people. Yeah. So anyway, is, are there like no well-known division characters? Like named characters? I I, I, I guess so. I yeah, I don't know. But <laughs> they have names in that game. <laughs> yeah. Um so so anyway, that game got into trouble and Ubisoft got into trouble again uh this last week because they put out a new uh intro video, new sort of cinematic trailer for the game. Um and the reason why uh it was sort of you know called out is because they show off the enemy faction in this game called Umbra, which is a, a I'm using air quotes here, an anarchist group, um, which uh, the narrator sort of explains throughout the trailer that there says that they're taking advantage of escalating civil unrest to generate more chaos and weaken governments. Um, but the problem lies in the fact that Umbra uses a raised black fist as its logo and that was not received well. Who'd have thought? Who'd have known <laughs> that that would not be received well? Um, because obviously the the raised black fist is, um, um, you know, uh, very much uh, the symbol of the Black Lives Matter movement, of uh, black empowerment. Um, so yeah, it, it did not go down well. Also, you know, the, the fact that. Um, Umbra is, you know, using civil unrest to, uh, I believe there was a quote somewhere in there where they said they're fighting for equality as well. And now Tom Clancy's heroes are going in there to, to, you know, save the day and, and quash this uprising and, 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 and bring that back whole video line by line is a right wing conspiracy come to life. Yeah, <laughs> like, it, it is the whole it, thing. It, it is very much like we're, we're going to put a stop to this and, and we're going to, you know, make, you know, Uncle Sam proud and, and, and make sure that everyone can, can go out there and buy their four pickup trucks and embrace capitalism. Um, so this did not go down well. Um, I believe Ubisoft said that um, uh, they say, quote, the imagery in the uh, Tom Clancy Elite Squad opening was insensitive and harmful in both its inclusion and how it was portrayed. Uh, and they promised to change the imagery and it would be removed in the, ne- in the game's next update. Um, so... Ubisoft's obviously been in the news quite a bit because of the, like, uh, we talked a bit about the allegations of toxic work culture. They fired a bunch of people, a bunch of people have been, uh, sacked and resigned because of inappropriate behavior, um, and, uh, you know, abuse of power and that sort of thing. So just this, this is sort of like adding on top of the pile. Um, Chisula, what did you think about this story? Cause, cause again, it is just like, like, how did you not fucking see this? You know? The thing that <laughs> the thing that really annoys me is Ubisoft is the company that loves to put at the beginning of their games. We have a diverse team who work on all of our games, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, this clearly is not the case for this game at all. You got no people of color working on this game because who wouldn't have seen this and said something? Like, that's insane to me. It just blows my mind because I understand fictional worlds and all that kind of stuff, but... At a time like this, this is what you're putting out today, right. 2020, right now, when Black Lives Matter is doing one of the biggest civil rights movements in history. I just find this completely tone deaf. Like, I just don't even know 
I don't know if this is malicious or oblivious. Like I can't even tell. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and just for for some more context, uh, J- Jason Schreier uh, over at Bloomberg, again, one, probably one of the the few like capital J journalists working in the field right now. Um, he, he was doing a lot of reporting on this, um, and one thing that he noted is uh, I'm just going to quote him. He says, uh, the director of this game and manager of the studio behind it is Charlie Guillemot. Uh, if that name sounds familiar, it's because his father is Yves Guillemot, uh, Ubisoft CEO. Uh, Charlie Guillemot mm-hmm. graduated university in 2014 and became studio manager in 2014. Oh my God. Um, and then he goes on to say, uh, you know, over the weekend, uh, Ubisoft staffers posted furious messages on internal uh, forums. Uh, one message with a couple dozen likes uh, starts with the sentence, quote, I am sincerely exhausted by everything related to Ubisoft. So these are their own employees saying this. Um, also, fun fact, they're planning another Ubisoft live stream, I think next week or maybe the week after. Um, David, what's, what's your take on, on this, this most recent faux pas from Ubisoft? I mean... <laughs> it, it you said it it's just so tone deaf i i i want to believe that it, that it is just um like a faux pas like it's not malicious i really want to believe that um and it probably is like i i i i'll buy incompetence over maliciousness in most cases honestly but um that whole video is the whole intro video because it, it's funny. I played it a long time ago, but I just skipped the intro. I didn't even watch it. Mm-hmm. And then in this article, I actually stopped and watched the video. And I took like my notes on this is just all of my notes are basically just all the lines from the video, but in capital <laughs> letters because all of them, everything they say is just so fucking crazy. It's like, how <laughs> could you possibly think like the people protesting for? There are p- the people who are protesting for equality is just a cover for terrorism, basically, is what they've said in that. And it's like that's, <laughs> that's straight out of what the right wing people are saying, yeah. like the Black Lives Matter protests yeah, is. Just and really, it's like public figures are being made to look bad by internet hackers. Just and, you're totally right. That's that's like literally a line ripped out of Fox News. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's like the sh- and like and then they create a fucking shadow government with no oversight or accountability because. Marvel didn't teach us that that's just a cover for fascism guys. Come on that like hail Hydra. That was literally all they were. It's like the, one of the lines from there is it is clear playing by the rules will not win us this fight. That's a quote. And it's like, why did the people, why is it a trope with call of duty with ghost Rica? Basically every Tom Clancy thing, um, books games and everything is like why did the people protecting democracy just fucking hate democracy so much i don't get it i don't understand why they hate it so if we didn't have all these rules we'd be able to just fucking murder them yeah that's why we have the rules <laughs> like holy shit oh, guys God. anyway oh, jesus um yeah well, and and, and uh, the, the only other thing I wanted to say is like, you know, th- they might have a diverse team, but I doubt those people are being listened to. You know, they're, they're probably at a junior level. They're probably raising complaints. They're probably slacking their coworkers being like, yo, this is fucked. We shouldn't be using like this black raised fist or calling our, this terrorist organization, organization Umbra, which is literally about like a dark shadow. Um, like the connotations there are extremely problematic. 
Um, and, 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 and again, like those, those concerns are probably being raised, but like, you know, again, there, there are probably people at senior levels that are just like, Oh no, we can't do that. We're too far along. We can't change this. This is the creative direction, blah, 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 blah. And that's just incredibly frustrating. Uh, I, I, I can't speak to that fully cause I've never worked at a studio, but like I can see how something like this happens, but it doesn't make it any worse or any better rather. It's surprise. It's honestly surprising in this climate mm-hmm. that they released this unironically. Yeah, like I honestly, it, I was just waiting for them to just be beating some protesters and smiling and saying "Blue Lives Matter." Oof. It's just so. It's it's almost funny to be, <laughs> to be honest. It's almost funny if they weren't being so serious. Yeah, yeah. They like I. <laughs> someone who has worked at a game studio, a few of them, it's, um, it definitely happens. Like, like I, I have and worked with other people who have brought stuff up and been like, y'all, this is a bad call for like any number of reasons. And it, it'll just get brushed aside as like not a big deal or, or not whatever. And, you know, certainly if you're at a junior level on a games team at certain studios, you really don't want to rock the boat because mm. you, you know, you don't want to be, you know, the person that gets that kind of attention at the studio and gets kind of like pushed out basically. Um, and also like you'll have it because it is like a wide team of people. Um, sometimes things do get missed. Like somebody will just think that somebody else is looking into it, but everybody thinks that somebody else is looking into it. And then it just kind of, then launch day comes and you're not going to delay it because of this one thing, you know, or it doesn't even get noticed until it's out. And like, there might be people at Ubisoft. I don't think this is the case, but I know I've had it happen where like something will launch and you'll see it live and you'll be like, yo, what? I thought we were going to deal with this first. Like there's a bug written up for it, you know? And it just like, somehow it got missed. Mm -hmm. I don't think that's the case here, but like it is a thing that happens, but yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, not excusing it, but I, I, again, to, to, to what we've been talking about here. Like I see how something like this happens. It doesn't, it's, it's, it's still shitty, but anyway, it's still shitty. um, at least they're going to be fixing it now that there's been a lot of outcry. Uh, that that's the, the one credit I, I will give Ubisoft. Um, but let us step away from the news. Cause it has all been extremely frustrating except for that <laughs> Nintendo news. I was okay with that Nintendo news. Everything else sucked. Man, thank <laughs> you, yeah. Nintendo for just, <laughs> You're like, hey guys, we're gonna make a new switch, and everybody's just like, yeah. You just keep you just keep sitting in your corner and doing nice things. That's great. Um, so let's talk about some of the games that we were playing. Let's talk talk about the stuff we were taking off the shelf. Jasulo, uh, I Stardew Valley. It is just yes, the game the game that keeps on going. You know, I've never. I, I this is my third time purchasing Stardew Valley. I've purchased it on PC, on my Switch, and now on my mobile phone because. To me, this seems like the perfect way to play Stardew Valley. My phone battery does not agree, but <laughs> I, I think it's kind of, you know, I like playing it in little chunks. My issue with Stardew Valley has always been min-maxing. I just can't help but try and min-max, and I just takes the fun out of it when I do that. So this time around, I'm trying to just do whatever. I don't even know if there's a, I don't think there's a fail state in Stardew Valley, so I don't no, know why I'm always so. so concerned about doing everything perfectly. So I'm just going to like, you know, I'm just going to do whatever I want this time around and not stress so much and having it on my phone and just pulling it out every now and then, you know, I've spent like 20 minutes playing 
and then put it away. Maybe don't pick it up again for a few hours. It's it's chill. I like it. Yeah, absolutely. I, I my first playthrough, I turned my farm into a capitalist hellscape. That was just like <laughs> like you said, min max. It was just like I got my 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 pickling jars going. I got my kegs going. I got my you know my wines like cooking up in the basement and just like I'm I'm gonna like take my raw produce, turn it into the thing that will return the most profit in the in the in the least amount of time and just like yeah, it, it was a nightmare. And then I think my second playthrough, I'm just like, I'm just gonna have a chill farm. I'm just gonna like grow some crops and like go and do some stuff and like make friends. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it, it is it is funny how it, it seems like people who play that game are either at like one extreme or the other. <laughs> There's like no middle ground. That's why I don't think I could play Animal Crossing. I just don't think I just would feel like I'm not getting enough bells all the time. <laughs> As uh, I understand, that is the core Animal Crossing experience, though. So Stressing about making your rent to Tom Nook. <laughs> uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, tell us about the other thing that you're playing, Mini Metro. Mini, Me- Mini Metro is another mobile game. That's really good. I, I remember playing that one. Yeah, it's like... Um, how do I how do I describe this? Basically, you are building metro lines, like trains uh, lines from different parts of cities, like across the rivers and stuff. And then like little stops pop up, and you have to rearrange the line so that you are servicing uh, every area and where people want to go and so on and so forth. It's basically like you know you get on a subway and you see the map of the subway and it's got like oh the red line, the yellow line, the green line going to this side and maybe crosses over here. It's basically that. Mm-hmm. That's what the game looks like. It looks like a subway map, except that you're the one who decides where the lines go, how many trains get on which lines. Is it going to loop? Is it not going to loop? Oh, do you have enough trains going to the special district? I don't know. If it gets backed up, you fail. So <laughs> <laughs> I've been uh, I've been playing that a lot. It's nice. chill. I like the way it's 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 like a well designed game. Nice. The the visuals are basically just what that image is, right? Yeah, it's, it's, it's just white background and those colored lines and the little O is what the stops look like. It's very minimal design. It's really good. I, I, I like that one. Yeah. Uh, is that a free play game or is it a uh, premium game? Uh, I think it's a premium game, or at least on Android. I don't know about iOS. Okay, cool. Yeah, it's, uh, it's premium. If you buy it, you get it. There's, as I remember i don't think there's any in-app purchases or anything no in-app purchases no ads just i that that is that is the perfect like mobile game for me it's just like stuff like uh monument valley where it's just like pay it for Mm -hmm. for it once play through the puzzles and then then have a chill experience and you're done oh yeah i got monument valley 2 but i'm not playing that currently nice i also have civ on civ 6 (laughs) on my phone i'm not gonna play civ 6 (laughs) (laughs) um yeah, yeah. Let me know when when you finish Monument Valley cause I, or two, because uh, I, I actually really yeah. enjoyed that. Yeah. Um, David, what's up with Bad North Jotun Edition? Bad North Jotun Edition available now on Xbox Game Pass. <laughs> um, is uh, so it's what it is is it's a very simple um, r- sort of roguelike RTS. Mm-hmm. Um, basically what happens is there's this chain of islands 
And you start at one island and you are always moving to the right and you kind of move along and, and each of those islands is the map that you play. And it's, it's just a tiny little island and you have like two little squads that you control and you're just trying to stop like these boats filled with raiders that are coming on to basically destroy the island, light it on fire. Um, but every time that you finish an island, you move on to the next one. But this like the raiders are basically this in unstoppable force that is like perpetually chasing you across the map. And so what you're needing to do is actually go along this chain of islands. And sometimes there will be a fork in the chain. There'll be a couple islands over here and a couple islands over here. And you kind of have to like efficiently manage wh- what you're attacking when uh, in order to get the most like because you as you go along, you'll get. Uh, items and you'll be able to recruit more troops and stuff like that because when troops die it's like they're dead sort of a thing um Mm -hmm. so as you're going along you're basically trying to stay ahead of this unstoppable force and playing on these little these little islands and every little island has its own sort of um has its own little layout and and little things that are kind of unique about it and you know you can upgrade your little troops to be like archers or pikemen or swordsmen and they all kind of have a little special ability that goes along with them so it's very much about um, trying to plan out how you're going to how you're going to cross this world and stay ahead of this like existential threat, but then also trying to like min max to an extreme degree uh, like how you are upgrading and managing your troops because they are this extremely limited resource and like if you play uh, you know a little mission and it goes badly and you lose a squad like that's a big deal like I right. you know I had. I had four squads and I lost one of them. I mean, like that's 25% of your possible, you know, fighting force is just mm-hmm. gone kind of a thing. Uh, and I had upgraded them. <laughs> um, and, and, you know, like every Island has this like, you know, maximum amount of, you know, gold coins and gold coins is like the currency you use to like upgrade your squads and stuff. And so, mm-hmm. you know, some will, some islands will have more gold coins than other, but others, but they're a little bit out of the way. So you're going to be like, you're going to have to choose which islands you basically leave to be destroyed versus which ones you actually go to. Uh, yeah. You can recruit more people, find items. It's just, it's a really like the, the controls are very simple, uh, very simple. The decisions are very like clear and simple, but they, they feel um, feel very meaningful when you make them, and there's there's just enough kind of differentiation in the units and the abilities and stuff that um, you can get some really fun different gameplay going on, even though you're only really controlling you know three to five units kind of a thing. So yeah, nice. highly recommend it. I think nice. it's I think it's twenty bucks if you like buy it on any other platform or don't have right. it. But if you happen to have Xbox Game Pass, highly recommend trying this game out. Nice, amazing. Uh, tell us about Star Wars Pod Racer. Man, let me fucking tell you about Star Wars Pod Racer. <laughs> I remember playing this on my N64 when it first came out, and I was so hyped for it. Uh, Jasula, did you play this? I did, yes. <laughs> did you so like it? It's out on, it's out on Switch. I mean, who didn't like it? <laughs> the Phantom Menace. I mean, I was the, I was the target age when that came out. Yeah. Yeah, so so this is out now on Switch, David. It's out now on Switch, and um, I think I think it's like thirteen bucks or something like that. Uh, so it's like not super expensive. And um, I saw that somebody else was playing it, and I I, I saw him. And I was just like, oh, I remember that. Like that'd be kind of fun to play. And and I went and I um, 
I picked it up because I was like, oh, it's cheap enough. I'll, I'll play it for a little bit and, and that'll be fine. I'm fucking hooked on that game. <laughs> Turns out when I was like nine years, nine or ten years old playing this game, I did not understand this game and yeah. like how there's actual like there are actual like skill mechanics. And, <laughs> like, um, you know, there is a there is actually, you know, a method to how you upgrade and what you upgrade and when and that sort of thing. And, it, and it's very simple, like it's not super, yeah. super deep. But obviously, you know, I didn't understand it as much as a kid. You know, when you're a kid, you just you just picked a pod racer and went on a race and whatever. And, you know, I, I played, you know, maybe in total, like a quarter of the, of the, uh, uh, tracks and, up and like never unlocked Sebulba. I had a friend who unlocked Sebulba and that was always, that was always a point of contention. I was very big jealous deal. of that. Big deal. Um, so now that I have it and I'm playing it and it's, it's got nostalgia, but it's actually, it's still, I don't know. It's, it's, it holds up in a weird way. It's really fun and I am enjoying it and I am going to actually, you know, go out of my way to, to beat it, to like beat a tournament and unlock all the tracks and stuff. It's really fun. <laughs> nice. What, uh, how are the graphics? Are they improved from N64 or did they no, just, they are the them? N64 graphics. Um, <laughs> yes, <laughs> it is. It is wild. Some of the aliens <laughs> that they have in that you can tell you can, cause I mean, it's N64. So they're all just basic Paul, shapes. Paul. Yeah. With a texture like stretched across them, yeah. <laughs> and um, it's yeah. <laughs> some of them look bad. <laughs> some of them look really <laughs> fucking wild. But uh, I don't know. It's it's fun, and it's like it's like this little time capsule of a game. Like it, it's weird. Like it looks it it looks very much like an N sixty four game, and it looks so dated. But it still it just looks like Star Wars Racer. Mm-hmm. Like, so I, it's weird to say that it looks bad because it just looks like what it is. You know, yeah. I, it, it's, yeah, it's, I, I'm, I'm really enjoying it. Look, every single track has like a fully rendered 3d cutscene that leads into it. And I totally forgot about that, like with aliens and stuff. And then like, they'll do a pan across the entire map and it almost looks like, <laughs> like mist level graphics of like, it is super stuttered, like, you know, 10 frames a second yeah. kind of animation and then at one point they'll wipe and they'll go to the in-game graphics and it's just like oh that's like three polygons for that building <laughs> instead of all the ones they had before just completely muddy texture and but i don't know it's it's a nostalgia trip that i think holds up in a fun way gameplay wise it's definitely a very arcadey game like it's not sure complex or anything but it, it, it's a lot of fun it's definitely worth like the 13 bucks i think you play with it and it does have multiplayer so nice. Um, I don't want to spend too much time on these next couple, but uh, you had Call of Duty on your list as well. I mean, I put Call of Duty on there. <laughs> Do you want to talk about? It? We don't have to. <laughs> I'm just like as much shit as I talk about Call of Duty. I enjoy playing it. It's, it's <laughs> like the multi. I I'm grinding out the multiplayer right now because Taylor, uh, her friend uh, Taylor, and I have just been grinding out. Like you can basically create an LMG that's just, you know, a like fire from the hip, like chain gun kind of a thing. And we've just been grinding that out. And I don't know. I don't know if I had much more to really say about it, if I'm being honest. I, I, I just Sorry. listed it as a thing that I was playing this week. And <laughs> yeah. Cool. Uh, what, what about Destiny 2? Did you have any deep thoughts on Destiny 2? I, it's funny. I was, listening, I was listening to a Destiny 2 podcast this morning and I was like, 
Oh, shit, I should play Destiny tonight. <laughs> so, um, Sunday morning, uh, Katya and one of her friends were had hopped onto Destiny 2, and I was like, you know what? I could hop onto Destiny because I don't think I've played Destiny in a couple months, yeah. honestly. It's like since the very beginning of, of this latest season, which, yeah, I, I think it was like midsummer or early summer or something. Um, and, and so I... I hopped into it and I was like, you know, it's been, a, I was kind of getting a little bit tired of Destiny, but it's been a long time and I think I'm ready for some Destiny again. And I hopped in and I played it for like an hour and I'm just like, yeah, I think I'm, I think I'm done. I think I'm done with Destiny. Even, even like the time apart has not like been able to get me back in to that game. I just look and there's all, there's all the quests and there's, you know, the, the, um, like the weeklies. Is it solstice? The, oh yeah. The, the, the solstice, summer solstice. Yeah, event. The solstice, yeah. solstice of, event is on and it's like, Oh yeah, I remember for this from last year. I don't want to play it though. Like, and, <laughs> and it's just, you know, like even though there's new content that I haven't played in, and I'll, I mean, new, it was, it was last year, but it's been a year since I played that. And so mm-hmm. yeah, I, I just, you know, it, it, it's funny. Like I still love destiny so much, but like, I can't, I can't find my way back into it. It's, it's just, it's interesting because I like, I, I played a bunch at the start of the season and, and destiny is like one of those comfort food games where I'm like, I don't want to think about anything tonight. I just want to like put on music or put on a podcast and like grind strikes or like try and like chip away at a couple quests or whatever. Um, and, and that's what like, I'm kind of like craving right now. I've been like dabbling with stuff like sea of thieves. I'll probably talk about that in a week, week or two once I spent more time with it, but I kind of get that with Sea of Thieves, but you can kind of like get ganked and it like ruins the fun or ruins the chill vibe. Um, mm-hmm. But with Destiny, you can just be like, no, I just I just want to run strikes. I just want to like, you know, engage in this really cool combat loop and then just like finish finish up, get 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 a couple items, trash some stuff, and then move on with my night. Uh, just a little because I, I know you fell into Destiny pretty hard around the same time that the rest of us did. I guess it would have been last year around Shadowkeep. Yeah. Um, ha- have you been back to it since then, or are you are, are you excited? Are you excited for the new season? I have no idea what's going on with Destiny. I haven't played Destiny since uh, mid March, mm-hmm. so it's been at least four or five months for me since I've played Destiny. And the reason I fell off was mostly just because of. COVID happened and I was we we're working from home, so I just lost my area to play because <laughs> my girlfriend was using that area to uh, work, and I was right. using the kitchen and my work laptop, and I can't play Destiny on my work laptop. And uh, at first, I was like, I was really missing it, but now I'm like, eh. Mm-hmm. eh. Yeah. I just remember the last thing I remember about Destiny was just being really annoyed that, like, just my inventory, I just wanted to clear out all the, the blue engrams blue engrams i think it was i just wanted to clear all the stuff i wasn't using and uh i just found it so annoying that i couldn't just like mass select and mass get rid of all that stuff yeah i'm just like i don't need this and then i just read some articles semi recently saying that there was sunsetting a bunch of stuff mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i don't yeah. even know does that mean it's gonna leave my inventory or is it just not no, it, I, I think it just basically means like it's it's capped its power, so it's no longer going to be viable moving forward. Um, yeah. So I, I'm sure we'll have lots of Destiny thoughts in the weeks ahead because the <laughs> the 
is it Last Light? Yeah, Last Light is going to be the new expansion. It, theoretically, it should have been coming out around now, but because of COVID and everything else, it's been pushed in November. Um, yeah. But uh, that that is not just going to be sunsetting weapons and, and gear, but also locations. Like, they're completely overhauling the game and removing a number of starting locations. They are adding the Cosmodrome from Destiny 1, and they're adding a brand new location in Europa, but mm-hmm. like like uh, a ton of stuff is going away. Um, you mm-hmm. know, that, that includes like the Leviathan raid, like so, like very, very early content. And like one of the reasons they talk, they you know give for doing that is the game had become like almost like untenable. Like it was so large, like, like they, it, it made the game not just difficult for new players coming in, but it made it difficult for the team to actually work on the files in the game because it was so mm-hmm. big and cumbersome. Um, mm-hmm. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with Last Light when they when they sort of retire the, some of those um, uh, locations. I, I think they will rotate them in every now and then just to be like, oh, hey, like this, this world has popped up again for whatever, this season, and you can do some shit on it. But... Uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what what they what they do come November. The yeah. last thing I I just remembered the last the inventory thing was annoying to me, but the last thing I remember really working on and getting real frustrated with was I was trying to get Isnagi's burden. Oh Christ, I, I didn't even get that. That is a rough one. I just got so frustrated. I spent so much time trying to get that. Yeah, I never got it. And then I'm like, <laughs> maybe I'll get Whisper of the Worm. And then that was just like, I just hate platforming. Yeah. I hate yeah. platforming. So, so Whisper I mean, and Outbreak Perfected are two of the weapons that you're not going to be able to get anymore after after they retire all that stuff. But they'll, they'll still be viable, but you won't be able to get them. But wait, like they're not yeah. sunsetting and I just can't get them? Oh, yeah. that makes me want to jump in and try and get yeah. them. <laughs> yeah. There, there, was a, there was a time where, where Taylor and I could... We we were we were like running. We were taking other people through Whisper and Outbreak Perfected. That's how I got them. I, I wouldn't be able to get them otherwise. Yeah, there was like a there was like a I don't know how long it lasted, but there was a good week, maybe two weeks, where the the Izanagi's burden the you could get it solo because mm. the damage you were outputting was just insane relative to what it was supposed to be. I was putting out damage relative to like four people or something crazy like that, mm. but I just couldn't because it's timed for some reason. <laughs> I just couldn't do it. I just could yeah. not. Just, 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 just talking about this makes me upset. I'm just like, yeah, this is like, like a really, really chill time. But then you run into stuff like that, and, and, I'm, and I'm just like, that is the most Destiny-ass MMO bullshit that I do not want to deal with. Yeah, yeah. for sure. It, it felt good not to be, not to have that pulling at the back of my mind. Because <laughs> I spent, I, I spent seriously like a week plus trying to get Izanagi's Burden. Like, it's the only thing I was doing. I wasn't doing any dailies. I wasn't doing any like... I played a little gambit, but not much. I just just trying to get that sniper rifle, and I never uh, got it. Oh, also, fun fact: they're reworking gambit, so it's not going to be two different gambit modes with gambit prime and gambit. It's going to be one mode where they're going to sort of incorporate. Um, uh, I think they're incorporating like it's it's going to be one round, like gambit prime is, and <clears throat> I think they're tweaking the, the sort of burn phase or the damage phase with the what's the thing that you summon at the end. The, the boss or whatever prime uh, yeah primeval primeval yeah. there you go so they're, they're gonna change how that works but uh but yeah it's just gonna be fun fact fun fact for for all you destiny nerds out there <laughs> gambit prime or gambit's gonna be reworked um cool. anyway yeah. i don't know do, do we have any other destiny thoughts i this went on way longer than i thought it would <laughs> I, mean, I mean 
you're talking about like playing Destiny, like you know, just having a chill time and hanging out. And it, I've honestly enjoyed. I haven't played Rainbow Six for a couple months. Well, for like a month, I guess either. And it's it's kind of been nice to not play. I, anybody who is a regular listener of this podcast will know that this it sometimes turns into the Destiny Rainbow Six podcast every once in a while. <laughs> um, and it's been really nice not playing either of those games because in the last couple months I have played and finished so many other games. Right. And it's just yeah. been really nice that I've actually just been playing new stuff and not been, you know, running dailies in Destiny. Like, uh, Destiny is definitely going to, like, I played it semi-religiously for, like, the last three years. So it's definitely going to be, like, on my list of, like, favorite games of all time. But but I, mi- I might be I might be ready to put it on the shelf Ooh. instead of I did it I said the, t- I said the title um, <laughs> roll credits yeah <laughs> um, yeah it, 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 that's it it's just like I, I used to kind of use it as my like chill yeah just uh, whatever kind of sort of thing but it's it's been really nice to just play other games and yeah. just to actually get some different experiences kind of kind of in the rotation plus the new Rainbow Six season is coming out soon so uh, i'm i'm happy to have not played it for like a month and then i'm gonna probably get back into that like yeah. very hard but I, i'm very anyway. curious if, if we're reaching a point where like games as service fatigue is really going to start to kick, kick in for for a lot of people because this is a sentiment that i've been hearing from like not just us but like other podcasts i listen to and, and other just people that i talk to that are just like yeah i've been just been playing indie games and it's great i got through like 10 of them in a week you know um and and i think that's that's a nice feeling just being able to like pick something up finish it and then move on to the next thing there Uh, there was a time where i thought it was weird that activision um speaking of call of duty because activision is still doing you know this kind of like yearly release thing um and to me i i always thought it was weird because i was like you know a big corporation like that you'd think that they would go for like you know the call of duty like content platform kind of a thing um or same thing with like ea and fifa and the sports games but i think that they're i think you're right with like the games as a service fatigue and just like having the same game just like you know content content like that that amount of overhead and that amount of investment in one game can be fatiguing and i think that there probably is a value and i bet there's people at those companies who who maybe have understood that, that there's a value in just having like a fresh start. Right. Yep. Um, every year or every two years or something like that. So yeah. Anyway. That's- um, anyway, speaking of, uh, you know, David, you mentioned Xbox game pass earlier. Um, and I actually picked up Xbox game pass on PC recently um, because I was kind of looking at it and was just like, this seems like it's a really good deal. Um, so Game Pass on PC right now has a promotion where your first month is a dollar, and then every month after that is like five dollars or six dollars or something. Um, that, with the caveat that that is the beta price while it is still in beta. So who knows if that will change? Like maybe once the Xbox Series X and the new consoles come out, maybe that price will go up. But for now, they are really trying to set themselves up as the Netflix of video games, and I think they're kind of getting there. Um, so right now they have like like 100 titles or 100-ish plus titles. Um, and I I was looking at it and I was like, I've never played a Gears of War game. They've got all these other Microsoft first party stuff. Microsoft first party games will be day one on Game Pass. Um, and I was looking at stuff like, oh, I've never played Sea of Thieves. Maybe I'll check it out. Um, 
everyone uh, knows I've been uh, hard on Formula One Drive to Survive, the best documentary series on Netflix. Uh, I just finished season two. I still think it's great. I'm not a racing person. I like don't play racing games. I don't like traditional sports, period. End of sentence. Um, but I was just like, hey, F1 2019 is on Xbox Game Pass. Uh, I legit downloaded like over $100 worth of games uh, in, in the last couple of weeks for a dollar for this first month. Um, so anyways, I've been playing F1 2019. I don't have a lot to say about it, but holy shit, is that a simulation-ass racing game? It is brutal it is uncompromising if you make one mistake your race is over you're going into the wall you are fucking up um but i'm having a lot of fun with it it is <laughs> it is um at first i set everything like to easy like brake assist like driver ai to super easy and i was like starting to win races and stuff and and really i i finally understood i was like oh this is a game about learning the track and like carving out fractions of seconds of advantage over your opponents and i remember you know i would just throw on music and, and kind of like you know do some practice laps and then do a race and i'm at a point now where i was doing a race the other day and i was just like that breaking assist was way too aggressive i know how to take that corner no thank <laughs> you breaking assist you do not tell me how to take that corner i know how to take that corner um so, so I'm at a point now where I'm just like, I'm going I'm to maybe bump up the difficulty. I'm going to turn down the braking assist. And I, I, I Googled racing wheels the other day. <laughs> oh, no. they got you. And I was just like, well, I, I can't just get the racing wheel. I have to get the racing wheel and then the adapter for, for the actual like rectangular Formula One wheel to plug into the racing like thing. And then I have to get the pedals. It's, it's a whole thing. Yep. It's a whole thing. Um, and, and then like, anyways, this, this isn't even, is, this isn't even the most recent F1, like F1 2020 came out this year. And apparently that one is a little bit more approachable, has a lot more features. So I was glad to check this game out because it is on game pass, you know, very, very low bar barrier to entry. I am having fun with it. I just started racing in Azerbaijan on, on, on this track called, uh, or in the city called, uh, called Baku. That track is fucking hard, man. I'm having difficulty racing in Azerbaijan. Um, this is very surprising. <laughs> so here I thought Azerbaijan was was one of the easier tracks. No, 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 no. Let me tell you, a lot of twists and turns, a lot of tight corners. Um, anyway, I'm, ha I'm having fun with the game. Uh, I might have more to say about it in, in the weeks ahead, but uh, it's fun. I'm racing for Red Bull. It's great. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Um, anyways, that is it for the games that we were taking off the shelf. I, uh, David, what, what, I guess maybe we could have a very, very short Game Pass discussion. What, what have you thought of the service so far since I basically bullied you into getting it? I mean, you didn't bully me. Fucking Phil Spencer bullied me into getting it. Um, <laughs> it, I, I, I just... I just did the math. I, I looked at it and I was like, I have been wanting to play Gears Tactics. Gears Tactics is $80 at $5.99 a month. I would have to play like two AAA games in a year and I will have had more than my money's worth out of it. Right. right? Um, I've so far I've downloaded gears five that I'm going to play and I'm going to play gears tactics. Uh, that's $160 right there. I've downloaded sea of thieves and I've been playing it and I'm going to get back into that. See if these is $40 and Yotun is 20. Right. It's like well over $200 worth of content for five ninety nine a month. 
Yeah, you're right. Like, like, I mean, like, it's just, you know, if you're doing the math and I, you know, and for next year, I'm assuming that it's sometime in the next two years, Microsoft will add one or two $80 games that I feel like playing. And that's my bet that I'm making. Right. Um, with having this service. And so I, I think that it's a pretty, pretty easy bet to make that I'm going to have, there's going to be something on the service that I want to play. So the the thing that shocked me since subscribing like a week, uh, a couple weeks ago, um, and and just sort of looking at that app on my PC is like, they're adding shit to it every week. Like Microsoft flight simulator, the new one day one on game pass, just there it is. And so like, you're right. Like I, I just did the math and I'm just like, this, this seems like a really good bet. And Microsoft has been making really smart decisions to get themselves in, into a position where they don't care where you play. Like we've been saying this for like months, but they don't care where you fucking play your games anymore. They just want you to sign up and be in their ecosystem. And, and I really think that, that they're like making smart moves. So I did actually sign up for, because of course there's different tiers. And so I signed up for the premium edition okay. because next week i believe or the week after uh they are debuting the beta of their streaming service and so i want to see what gears 5 plays like on my phone (laughs) (laughs) not well i think but i'm very curious to try it out but it's like you know it's it's a dollar to start um and so it's a dollar for the first month and so i'm going to try the premium version for a dollar. And if the service is very, very bad, I'm going to, you know, cancel that and go to the cheaper version of it right. before that $1 month is up. And then I'll have, you know, spent a dollar to try it out sort of thing. So like if, if, if you're looking at it, go through the catalog, see if there is, you know, the value of like see if on that list there are games that you have been wanting to play but didn't because you just couldn't swing spending 80 bucks on that game right now and if you see that game plus two or three others you should get it and because that's just gonna pay off for itself yeah i i didn't think that i would i would be as much of an advocate for the service as i am right now but like it's just like such an easy decision it seems Mm -hmm. um because there's a bunch on that list that bunch of games on there that have kind of been like on and off my steam wish list occasionally it's just like ah, i just i don't know i don't know but now they come with my purchase of gears war gears of war basically yeah, for sure so. like like even some really cool indies like spirit fair just came out it's been mm-hmm. you know uh popularly or uh, it's been positively received that was day one on game pass uh i just picked up moving out that was on my steam wish list it's like 20 bucks uh but moving Oxen out is free is something Kat and i are gonna play yeah, together yeah. i think so yeah, so so a lot a lot of cool stuff. Um, anyways, I think that's enough games talk. Let's talk. <laughs> let's make some uh, non gaming recommendations before we get out of here. Uh, Jasulo, tell me about these anime girls that are on my screen that I'm very uncomfortable <laughs> about. Anime girls? <laughs> what do you mean anime girls? Uh, Re Zero, um, yeah. starting life in a, another world. Okay, so Re Zero, I'm going to try and talk about this as very without spoiling anything. Well, so. There is, it's in what's known as an isekai, which means like another world. Basically, like someone who lives in our world, so so to speak, gets transported into a different world. And so, excuse me, the world he has been transported to, people have like, you know, you know, typical anime shit. Like they got powers like, oh, this person can make fire. This person can make ice. This person's really good with the sword, blah, 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 blah. Uh, his special power, quote unquote, is... Um, when he dies, 
he it resets. So like he has he can his his special powers basically save points. Okay. So <laughs> he has nothing, and that's what makes it interesting is because he's not he has he's not powerful. He's probably the weakest person on the show, but the way he succeeds and progresses through is just whenever he dies, he goes back to a safe point. He has no control over the safe point, so a lot of times it can be very stressful where something really messed up is going to happen and then you're just like god i hope the safe point is like at a decent spot because if not this is going to be rough (laughs) it sounds like my entire dark souls experience (laughs) it is all right this is actually one of the one of the few animes that i have watched um and it is i really liked it it's wild it gets (laughs) crazy it's basically like in in a in a playing an old RPG, and you're just like, where? Wait, where did the auto save happen? <laughs> and then that, but as a narrative, <laughs> it's it is it, I, it's really good. I I I, uh, I didn't I didn't watch all of it, but now you've reminded me of it, and yeah, I remember I really enjoying it, and I I need to oh. finish it. I'm all the way caught up, watching it every week now because they're in season two. I just remember, like, specifically episode 15 hit, and I was like, damn, that that hit me hard. Like, even though I know he can reset, just the trauma he's experiencing from dying so many times, this is it's oh, rough. Wow. Yeah. Um, well, this is another one I'm going to have to add to my list of uh, anime backlog. Um, I'll talk about it probably another week, but I'm halfway through Vinland Saga, and I'm enjoying it. Cool. Sweet. That's all I will say about that. Um, David, do you want to tell me about I'll Be Gone in the Dark? I, I didn't have time to throw up an image. I, I should I forgot to ask you before we started, but uh, what, what's I'll Be Gone in the Dark? So I'll Be Gone in the Dark is a six-part documentary on the Golden State Killer. Ooh. Um, and it is very, so like full-on like, trigger warning here the golden state killer is a murderer uh, and rapist who operated in california in the 70s and raped over 50 people and murdered 15 and the documentary goes in two parts it follows the investigation into him and it follows a woman named um, michelle mcnamara who is a true crime writer who became fascinated with the Golden State Killer and um, basically went out of her way to try and find out who he is because until very recently, they had no idea who he was. He basically Mm -hmm. got away with it. Um, And so it just, it follows her journey in writing a book about the Golden State Killer and then also, you know, the, the kind of as a period piece, like the, the investigations, you know, and all the problems associated with that of investigating him. It is super rough content to watch, but it is exceptionally fascinating. Like they, you know, they go into um, people trying to, I mean, people just trying to find him. They try to, you know, figure out like who he is and why he's doing these things and just watching them try to build the psychological profile of this guy. Um, they interview um, a lot of the victims and, and, and they're, you know, talking about it and, you know, they interview, you know, the police officers who worked on that case and everything. Um, and yeah, it is, it is 
a very fascinating show. I highly recommend it. And uh, but it is heavy. It is a heavy watch. It's yeah. not something that you just put on to chill out and and uh, watch. Is this uh, on uh, Netflix? It's on Crave. I think it's an HBO thing. It's an HBO right. documentary. So so however you find your way to that. Um, I got Crave. I got Crave. Yeah, I um I recommend it. I I really highly recommend it. It is. Um, it's enthralling in just a very, you know, morbid sort of way. But yeah, it's, it's the, you know, dozens and dozens of people's different stories of how they tried to bring this person to justice basically. So, yeah. yeah. Um, cool. Uh, oh, I mean, if you need a break from depressing serial killer documentaries, cause apparently everyone's fucking hooked on those these days. Uh, might I suggest, uh, formula one directors five. Um, <laughs> uh, actually my, my, my real recommendation this week is a podcast that I love called game studies, study buddies. Um, and this is an academic show, uh, that is pretty approachable for people that are not academics. Um, so if you have ever listen to any of our discussions and you wanted to go deeper on some of this stuff, or maybe you're in university and you're like, Hey, is anyone talking about, you know, video games the same way we talk about TV in academics or, or what have you, or if you just want like, um, um, uh, yeah, just, just a, a more sort of comprehensive or a more scholarly look at the field of video games and video games as a medium. Uh, I highly recommend this podcast. It's super approachable. Um, you can start at episode one, like like you, you, you're not going to, or you could start with any episode. You're not going to miss anything, essentially. Like sometimes they'll reference stuff that they've read in the past, but the, the conceit of the show is every month that there's only one episode a month, which is great, but every month they read a different academic book about video games and then they just dissect it chapter by chapter. And each episode is usually a couple hours. Um, so this is from uh, Cameron Kunzelman and uh, Michael Lutz, uh, who are both a couple of academics. And, um, yeah, it's, it's just like super enjoyable. Again, they, they do get into some, some really, really, uh, deep stuff. You know, you're, you're, you're going to be talking critical theory. You're going to be talking about Marxism. You're going to be talking about feminist, uh, critique and representation. You're, you're, you're going to get into all that stuff. Um, but, uh, yeah, if, if you've ever listened to critical game stuff or read a really cool review that got into some, some of these, uh, aspects of video games like as an art form or as a medium um i highly recommend uh people check this show out because it is it is freaking uh great and, and again very approachable very snackable yes sometimes they, they they talk like up here um because they are academics but they do try and make it as as approachable as as they possibly can um so yeah i think that's uh um it for uh recommendations um i don't know did, did anyone else have anything they wanted to add before we kind of say goodbye um i'm good all good all good yeah. that's it um we talked a lot we talked a lot this went a little bit longer than i wanted to but uh thank you everyone uh for joining us um thank you just thank you david always a pleasure to have you folks here thanks for having me 
Um, so folks, if you want to be a part of the conversation, if you want to weigh in on the stuff that we are talking about, uh, you can send us email shelvegames at gmail.com or hop into the discord. It's a great place to talk about the show. Uh, we always post the links to the news that we're discussing there as well. Uh, and of course we do the show live every Monday now, uh, approximately six, six thirty Pacific time, uh, nine, nine thirty Eastern find the show wherever you get your podcasts, uh, Apple podcasts, Google play, Stitcher, YouTube, shelfgames.com all that jazz uh please if you can subscribe to the show on your platform of choice if you have the option we'd love it if you leave us a like or a rating or a review that really helps us out but the best way to help us is to tell your uh your friends and your pals about the show find us on twitter at shelfgames i'm at john underscore tab uh also of course on twitch twitch.tv slash shelfgames music for the show is by zed ion who you can find on soundcloud uh david where can people find you um uh, you can find me at dsmilne.com. Um, got some examples of my work as a designer, uh, but it has uh, links to all my social handles as well. So Amazing, amazing. And one of these days, you'll tell us about the game that you're working on. One of these days, <laughs> but, but not today. <laughs> uh, Just slow. Uh, where can people find you? Well, you know, around if you know the right people to ask. <laughs> <laughs> you need to post more on Instagram. I, I never see you posting anything on the gram. No, I, just, I don't know. Maybe I will. Maybe this. Maybe that'll be my New Year's resolution. Just be one of the post on the gram. Do a couple of bunch of TikTok dances. You're, you're legit turning into an old man. Like you're just like never on social media. <laughs> <I've been> a- <laughs> uh, I would love to see you do TikTok dances though. I don't think you know what I was, these kids are really good. These kids are really good. I remember telling my girlfriend, "I'm like, oh man, we used to like we used to dance. We used to dance in high school." And I found a video and I watched. It. I'm like, "What is this? Who is this? This is terrible." <laughs> in my mind, it was amazing, but in reality, so uh, much roast into glasses. One hundred percent memories. They're so volatile and untrustworthy. <laughs> Um, anyways, folks, that is going to be it for us this week. Uh, if you missed any of the show, it will be archived on Twitch. The uh, YouTube video will go up, and of course, the, you can get it in the audio version as well. Uh, so thanks for hanging out with us. Um, and until next week, uh, go and grab a game off the shelf because you never know what you're going to find. We'll see you next time. Thanks. Bye.